Hi, welcome to the Faith Ridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. I'm here with young adults pastor Kyle Pettit, who gave us a great message entitled, O Come Emmanuel. Let's tune into it now. Well, good morning, Faith Ridge. How are we doing? Doing well? Good to be with y'all. It's good to be with y'all. Well, let me pray and we'll dive in. How about that? Sound good? Cool. Lord, God, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for the songs that we got to sing. God, songs that tell of your coming. God, tell of um, the fact that you did come. And so God, I pray that as we, as we come to you this morning, God, I pray that you'd meet us here anew. God, I pray your scripture would come alive. God, that you'd speak hope into the midst of darkness this morning. And God, that you would show yourself as who you are, the real Savior that came to some of us this morning. And God, we need you. God, we know we can't do it on our own. And so God, I pray that your spirit would speak. God, your word would come alive. That you'd use this time. Amen. Well, um, anybody this year's just like kind of not gone according to plan? Uh, anybody this year's really felt a little bit out of control? Um, I feel like this time of year really just you, you get to feel it, especially like especially when it's one week until Christmas, because it's right around this time you remember, oh, I haven't bought any of my Christmas presents yet, and that's coming up quick, and you realize I haven't even got my plans for Christmas, and oh, can we like push it back one week and maybe give me a little bit of buffer room, my, my work? I found it's right on this time that um, the, the elf on the shelf that you were so excited for on December 1st. And it went from like making cookies and like getting into all sorts of mess where you're trying to convince your kids that it's like a, it's moved a foot. And you're like, it's still there, I promise. It's right around the time that your advent calendar, you went from putting one day on every year to like you just put the last six on because you just got a good deal with it. Uh, and then not... Uh, and then you add on to that, uh, work just happens to end at the end of the year, uh, which means that work's a little bit busy and there's not enough hours in the day. Add in kids being out of school, which sounds great for the first day until you realize they're out of school for a while and the countdown becomes not uh, for Christmas, it's counting down until they get back into school. Uh, and then you add in some relatives coming into town. And I mean, that sounds great, but where are they going to stay and what are we going to do? I guess we could go to Chili's and the local Starbucks because Spring, Texas isn't exactly a tourist destination. <laughs> Add in that all of this costs money as well, and it's expensive. And you realize that's just like yesterday. Anybody felt like that the entire year? Where every night you just kind of sit down and you just go, <sighs> just completely exhausted and not knowing what to do, and feeling like life is out of control, and everything is chaotic, and nothing is going according to plan. And the question you're asking yourself is, where are you, God? Where are you? Because this is a little bit out of control. Well, I want to take us to a text this morning, one that many of you have probably read, especially in this Christmas time. Uh, but I want to bring it to us here because I think that uh, it will show you that you're not alone in feeling out of control. 
And I think it can speak a little bit into the hope of the crazy. Speak a little hope into the crazy. Uh, and so if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. If not, the ushers are going to be passing it down. If you need one, you can just raise your hand, and they'll give you one. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 17, says this. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus." for he will save your people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. And so we get this famous passage of scripture. Many of us know this. And it gets into it. And it starts with saying, this is the way that Jesus was born. And then we get just a drop into the middle of this narrative. And it says that there's Mary and Joseph. And it says Mary's found out. There's a bombshell moment. Mary's found out that she's pregnant. And we know this. Like, this is where we get the Virgin Mary. We've understood this. This is something we've heard for a while. But the things I want to look at today, I want to look at three things in this passage. The first thing I want to look at is I want to look at Joseph's response, or Joseph's reaction. Sorry, Joseph's reaction. The second thing I want to look at is God's response. And the third thing is I want to look at what the final result is. And so the first thing, what was Joseph's reaction to finding out this bombshell moment of a news? And it says this, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So his reaction is he doesn't believe her, which like you really can't blame him. Like if, if I had a fiance and she came up to me and she said, hey, um, crazy thing happened, I'm pregnant, um, I don't know what happened. I'd be like, well, I took eighth grade health class. I know exactly what happened. It's a little bit awkward. And his reaction is immediately when he sees something that's out of control as he tries to take it into his own hands. See, he does what we do. And it says that he doesn't throw a fit. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't storm out angrily. It says to not, he didn't want to put her to shame. So he resolved to divorce her quietly. He says, this isn't going according to plan. And so the reaction I'm going to have is I'm not going to blow up and I'm not going to yell, but I'm going to take things into my own hand and I'm going to drive the ship where I think it needs to go. And I love it because his reaction is our reaction, that in the midst of the crazy of life, when things aren't going according to plan, what we normally do is we take things into our Hands. And I'm sure that there were times that Joseph, especially that first night when he founds out this news, I'm sure he sat there that night and went, God, are you in control? Because this is, doesn't seem like it is. This seems like this is very out of control and this isn't going according to plan. And I think for some of us, the question that we have looming in our heads as we think back to 2018 is, God, where were you? God, where were you? Because apparently you fell asleep at the wheel because nothing in my life went according to plan. 
And we look at the world and we, we look at our life and we think, is God in control? Because I, I read the news and everything is bad. And then I look in my own life and everything just seems to be terrible. And there's dysfunction in relationships or broken relationships altogether. And the cancer is back and the pain won't go away. And the depression is there and the anxiety is crippling. And we look around and we go, God, I'm here and I'm doing my best. I'm at church and I'm reading my Bible. But God, where are you? Because are you really in control of this? Because it doesn't look like it. And that's what we think as we look back at 2018 and we go, God, where were you? Because it doesn't look like you were in control at all. But what I think this text can show us is that in the midst of hurt and pain and confusion, is it can show us that just because we don't think plain our plans are going the way that we think they should doesn't mean that they're not going according to plan. Just because we don't see the faithfulness of God doesn't mean that he's not faithful. And I felt this. I felt this especially this past week. Uh, So I got back from Peru last, yesterday, and I, I was left a week before, and I had planned to get this talk, this sermon finished. I was going to write it, and it was going to be great, and I was going to go enjoy the mountains, and everything was going to be wonderful. And then the day I left, uh, I got a text that said, hey, Kyle, your sermon um, doesn't really make a lot of sense, and it's not really the best, and so you kind of need to rewrite it. And I was like, you're kidding me because I leave today. And my reaction was, I went, okay, this isn't good, but this is fine. Uh, anxiety might be coming in, but I'm just going to rewrite everything and it's going to be all good. And so I just started to take it into my own hands and I started moving things around and trying to make it all work, making it worse all around. Instead of just taking the scriptures with me and opening it up and sitting with it and going, God, you've been faithful all through my life. Why would you not be faithful now? And maybe God would continue to be faithful and give us something new this morning. But my reaction was Joseph's reaction, which was our reaction, is when things don't go according to plan, we take it into our own hands and we try to take it uh, and we try to do what we think is best rather than trusting the God who is faithful. And and that's what we do. I mean, this is like when, when finances aren't going well, what's the reaction most of the time? It's not really to to ask God. It's not really to sit with biblical community. No, when finances aren't going well, what we usually do is we usually grab more hours at work and we try to muster our way and work our way out of this thing because I can do this. Not rather than just sitting and trusting God that God, you're in control and you can take things and, and you can do it with what you think is best is we try to take it into our control. But what this text shows us is that just because things don't look like how I planned doesn't mean that there isn't a plan. And I love it. I love God's response in the midst of this. So Joseph's life is chaotic. Things are not going well. And God steps in and he calms the skeptic's heart. And this is what God's response is. It says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So God takes Joseph and he says, 
Joseph, and he doesn't just say Joseph, he says Joseph, son of David. What I think he's doing in that moment is he's speaking identity into a person who has lost everything. He says Joseph, son of David. David wasn't just a person, David was the king, the highest king of the Old Testament. He says, Joseph, you're not just Joseph, you're Joseph and you're son of the king. I know who you are, I made you. And then he says this, he says, don't fear. He says, don't fear to take, uh, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And why does he say, don't fear in the midst of this? He says, don't fear because I'm in control. Things may look chaotic, but I'm in control. And he tells Joseph the thing that we need to hear this morning, which is just because things aren't going according to plan doesn't mean that they are not in his divine, eternal, always correct plan. And just because things aren't going the way that we wrote them doesn't mean that it's not correct. Just because things look like they may be slipping away in our life doesn't mean that God isn't working and he's not in control. See, we see things and we go, you know what, God, you're saying you're writing my story and everything, but this paragraph seems to be crazy. But we forget that God see things, sees things from an eternal perspective. And we may not see the end of the sentence, but God's already finished the entire book. He knows where every single period is laid. He knows where the paragraph ends. He knows what the chapter finishes life. And I read the story. I promise you, I know the ending. God wins in the end. And that's our hope. God's in control. And things may look chaotic in our life, but just because we don't see the faithfulness of God right now in our perspective doesn't mean that he isn't faithful eternally. And I think that's why uh, God does this, is, is God takes Joseph and he reminds him of a prophet that was spoken 800 years before this moment. And he says, uh, he says this, he says, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. See, he takes him to the past to show them that I've got this in control. But what can happen is when we don't see the entirety of the story is we can be like, I'm assuming a lot of the Israelites as they had read this promise is they go, okay, God, you say you're gonna bear a son and he's gonna save us. This is gonna be great. But it's been a hundred years, God, where are you? It's been 500 years, God, where are you? And it takes 800 years for the promise to be fulfilled. But what he does to Joseph is he says, hey, look at what happened. I've fulfilled it. I am in control. It may may not look like it from your perspective, but I promise you I've got this. But we, what we have to do oftentimes is expand our uh, perspective to see from what God sees. He sees more than us and he's working even when we don't see it. He is faithful. He will come through. And I think about that in my own life, of the times that I've seen this in the midst of chaos, of when I look back, and I think about it, when I was in high school, I had a group of friends that, that I did everything with, and we grew up together, and we played sports together, and everything was great, and then about halfway through high school, they decided we don't wanna be friends with you anymore. And they stopped answering my phone calls and stopped returning my texts, and my junior year of high school, I was alone. And I didn't know anybody. And I remember for a few weeks eating lunch in the stairwell alone because I had nowhere to sit anymore. And it wasn't fun. But I think about it, eventually I ended up at a lunch table with a guy named Austin. 
And Austin would befriend me, and he would bring me into his family and to his friends. And then he would start to tell me about a guy named Jesus, about a guy who could save anybody, about a God that loves me and wants me. And I think back of like, what would I tell young Kyle sitting in the stairwell eating alone? I think I would tell him, God has you. God, this is going according to plan, and it may not seem like it, but just be, wait, just be patient and wait and see. God has you. He's in control. But what we do is we get frustrated because we only see from our limited perspective, but what we need to do as believers is we need to open our perspective and try to gaze from an eternal perspective and think, okay, God, I might not see the answer, but I know you do. God, I may not see how this is going to work out in the end. I don't know why you're doing this, but I trust you and I know you're good. And so I can trust that you're going to do something amazing, even through the darkest things in my life. Now, I want to put one little caveat real quick. What we don't need to do in the midst of difficulty is we don't need to say that the difficulty is fun. You don't have to say that what you're going through and the hardship and the hurt that you're in is fun. What we don't need is a bunch of Christians to leave today and just go fake it. That's not what the world needs. But what we can do is we can say that this may not be fun and this may not be good, but God can do something good through it. See the difference there? It may not be the, the difficulty or the illness or the job loss or the dysfunction in the family may not be good, but God can do something good through it. That's how faithful and how miraculous our God is, is that he can work, he can work miracles in the midst of madness. And that's our hope, is that God's not going to make this thing fun that you're in, but he can do something good through it. Because that's how faithful our God is. And so we may look back and, and we look at 2018, and you don't have to say 2018 was a good year. 2018 might have been just a train wreck of a year for you. But we can look back and we can go, okay, God, you're in control, and I know that you have the heavenly perspective, and I know that you're doing something good even in the midst of things that aren't. And that we can trust that God is faithful even when we don't see it, that he's working behind the scenes 24-7, and that he is faithful even when we don't see the faithfulness. And I, and I can say this because we, we know this because uh, God did a result through this crazy season in Joseph's life is he did something. And what was the end result? I think it was two things. The first thing, um, I think the angel tells of why God is doing this. And the first thing I think he tells him why is he says this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, the angel tells Joseph that this kid that's, being, that's going to be born, he's not just a kid. He's not just a kid like any other kid. No, this kid isn't just a kid for you. This kid is going to be a king for everybody. Because this kid isn't just going to be the one that's going to grow up. No, this is going to be the kid that's going to grow up to be the savior that's going to save everybody. He says it may be chaotic right now, but this kid is going to be the sacrifice for us all. And that's what's going to be the result through all of this is God's in control. And we can see that because he can turn something like a chaotic kid and make him the king of the world. 
And that's the hope that we celebrate during this Christmas time. It's not just the fact that Jesus was born. Like that's not enough for us to celebrate. And I think we can lose that sometimes in the Christmas season. The fact that Jesus is born was a great thing, but it was a great thing because that Jesus that was born in a manger would grow up to become the savior that would die for us. And that's the reason that we celebrate Christmas as a good thing. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus came and because Jesus would die for us and rise again. And so he says that, um, that we can see that God is in control even through this. And then the second reason I think that Joseph says that, that this is a good thing, what the end result was, not, isn't just eternal salvation, which happened on Jesus on the cross. There's one other thing, and he ends by saying this, and I think this is so crucial for us to grab. And he says this, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that that is our eternal hope. That is the hope that we have in the midst of the crazy right now is God is with us. Notice it doesn't say God is uh, doing something for us. Notice it doesn't say uh, we have to do something for God. No, our hope isn't in any of that. Our hope is God. It's not that God's going to give us something in the midst of it. It's God himself. He's our hope in the midst of the craziness. He's our hope when things don't look according to plan. Our hope is that one single word, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what changes things. Rather than we ask God, God, give me peace. God, give me joy. God, give me something that's going to be temporary and, and, and isn't going to last forever. No, we need to be asking God, be my peace. God, be my joy. God, be my everything, because when we can rest in the fact that he is here, he becomes the bedrock that we can build our life on. So when the winds and the waves of life comes, our house remains secure because we've built it upon him, not on anything else. And that's what Emmanuel means. And that's where our hope comes from. Emmanuel, God with us. So what does that look like in our life today? What does Emmanuel, God with us, look like in our life today? How do we actually see that God being with us gives us hope that even when things aren't going according to plan, that they are going according to plan? How do we see that? Well, I think we see it. Um, and I thought about doing this. I thought about taking us to, to a whole bunch of people all through history that, uh, that really did this, that in the midst of the craziness of life, that they rested in God himself and they found security and they were able to, to persevere through it. People like uh, Alfred Delp, who was uh, killed in a Nazi prison camp. And just before he was killed, he wrote this. The world today needs people who have been shaken by ultimate calamities and emerged from them with the knowledge and awareness that those who look to the Lord will still be persevered by him, even if they are hounded by earth. But I don't even need to look outside the walls here at Faithbridge because God is showing up as Emmanuel here inside the walls in people's lives. I was talking on the phone uh, with a Faithbridger last week, and we were talking about um, the cancer that he is currently living with. And cancer isn't fun. And you don't have to say cancer is good by any means. And there's a lot of times in the midst of it that, that you go, God, are you in control? Because it doesn't look like it. Because this isn't the way it's supposed to go. But on his blog, he wrote this. He wrote this. 
I truly believe cancer came into my life to strengthen my character and my faith. God uses everything for his glory, and it is our job to step into the story he is writing in each of our lives. I did not know this would be part of my story, but to God be the glory that in my affliction, he is faithful and working all things together for his good. See, that's what Emmanuel means. That's what, when we understand truly who Emmanuel is, that's the peace that it can bring. That in the midst of chaos, in the midst of where everything doesn't look like it's going according to plan, you can have peace and rest and assurance in the knowledge that God is in control and he is good when we understand that God is with us. That's our hope. That's our ultimate hope. And in everything, we look to Jesus. Uh, Hebrews calls him the author and perfecter of our faith. And if we can't see sometimes that things are going according to plan, we look to Jesus. Because I'm sure there were moments in Jesus's life, the baby that we celebrate during Christmas time that would grow up to be the savior of the world. As he looked toward the inevitable cross, I'm sure there were times he didn't exactly relish the fact that he saw the cross and he realized that his body would be broken for us. Or that his blood would be poured out for us. But what the cross of Christ shows us is that just because things don't look like they are going according to plan doesn't mean that there isn't a plan. That God is in control and he's working mightily. And nobody would have wanted that pain and chaos and hurt, but God in his miracle and in his miraculous nature can use the worst form of torture to create the salvation for us all. So our life may look out of control. 2018 might have been a bad year, but we can rest assured knowing that God is in control and he's working all things for good for those who love him. And so there's two responses when we listen to a message like this. I think there's just two responses. I think there's one response for people that know Jesus that are believers in Jesus, I think the response is that uh, as we take communion this morning and as we, uh, as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us, I think that we just sit for a second and we say, God, I may not see everything, but I know you're in control. And before we take communion, we just sit with God and ask him to show us anew who he is and how he is Emmanuel, God with us, and how that brings security in the midst of our life. I think that's what we do as we come to the Lord's table. And then the second reaction is if you don't know Jesus, then come to know him. Like, it's that simple, come to know him. And, and I just think during this Christmas season, this could be the first Christmas that you actually came to know Emmanuel, God with us. And let me be clear, I'm not saying like you've been around church for a little bit. I'm not saying that you know a little bit about the Bible. I'm not saying that, that you do some good things or you know a couple Bible verses or whatever. I, what I'm saying is, have you experienced who Jesus is? Do you know this Emmanuel, God with us? And if you don't, my plea to you this morning is, would you come to know him? There is nothing greater. There is no better satisfaction in the world than Jesus himself. 
I can promise you that. I can promise you, you will never regret it coming to know Emmanuel, having peace in the midst of chaos, having joy in the midst of hurt. And that's the hope that we have, not because he gives it to us, but because that's who he is. And when we get to know him, he begins to transform us to do that. And I think that if you, if that's you in the room, I, I have a feeling in a, in a room this size, that's some of us in here, is you've been around church and, and you've maybe taken communion and you don't understand it and it just kind of seems like this kind of weird religious thing that we do, is that as you take the, the, the gluten-free cracker and you dip it in the grape juice, it becomes not just another religious thing, but it becomes a true remembrance of the Savior that's come. Yeah, the Savior that was born at Christmas time, but then the Savior that would grow up and die for our sins. And so before the ushers lead you up, my, my ask of you this morning would be to just sit. Sit and talk to God for a second, maybe for the first time, maybe for a lot of times, but, but would you sit and talk to him and ask him to be Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of this crazy season of life. Let me pray for us, and we'll take communion. Father, God, I'm thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful for the promises that you give us, that you are Emmanuel, and God, you're here with us even this morning. God, thank you that you don't give up on us. God, thanks that you didn't um, say that we have to do something right before we can come back to you. God, thank you that you made a way through Jesus, through this, the Jesus that we celebrate during this Christmas time. God, thank you that you sent Jesus to come. And you didn't leave us alone, God, but you loved us enough to move heaven and earth to get us back to you. And I want to give you the chance, before we kind of take communion, before we do all that, would you talk to God? And maybe you just say, God, I need you. God, I've been around you, but I don't know you. God, I want to know you. Maybe it's just, God, I... I my life is chaotic and it doesn't look like it and I'm exhausted and God, I need you to show me that you're in control. God, would you do that? God, you're good. And God, we know that you're good because you fulfilled promises from 800 years ago to show of a savior that would come to live the perfect life that we couldn't live and die the death that we deserved and then beat death to show that anybody that links themselves with you will ride with you forever. God, thank you for that. God, thank you that the Christmas season is good not just because you came, but because you died for us. God, would you let us know that anew this morning? God, as we come and take communion, God, would you remind us exactly what it means? And God, would you speak to us even in that time as we come and pray and worship? Jesus, you're good. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. The ushers will lead you now. You can come.